Welcome to Week in Review, where we recap issues and events pertinent to Central Illinois. I'm WMBD News Director Cooper Banks. A crash course on the ground in Ukraine. One OSF Healthcare executive shared his story this week on WNBD's The Greg and Dan Show. Chris Manson is Vice President of Government Relations at OSF, and while that job is what occupies Chris's life on a professional level every day and has for many years, uh, it was uh, an idea that born out of watching television with his young daughter, Lily, uh, about what's happening in Ukraine that has led to so far seven uh, ambulances just packed full of uh, medical supplies, important things, uh, some really cool moments of loading those uh, ambulances on planes and getting them to Ukraine. You just returned recently. Tell us about the circumstances that got you there. What did you do? Yeah, so, you know, I've, I've been asking people for donations and ambulances and I've been working with people from uh, the Ukrainian government and others in Chicago that are um, part of the Ukrainian Medical Association of North America. And I just decided, you know, I, I wanted to make sure, I wanted to see for myself firsthand what was going on, where the donations were going, um, how things were, were being handled, and, and what the needs and wants were of, of those in Ukraine. So kind of on a lark, um, on a Wednesday, I decided, we loaded some, we loaded an ambulance on a plane on Tuesday night. On Wednesday, I, bought a, I asked my wife permission to go ahead and, can I, can, do you mind if I fly to Poland and maybe into Ukraine? And By the she way, said, that, is, that is opening a door for every other guy this weekend <laughs> yeah. who just wants to play barbecue. golf. Play just golf. Want to play golf. <laughs> just want to get away. Golf. Yeah. At least I didn't ask if I could go to Poland yeah. and then Ukraine. So God luck, bless your wife. Yeah, exactly. Definitely God bless my wife. She says yes. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm, I bought a ticket on Wednesday. I was on a plane Saturday, Easter Eve. Got into Poland on Easter, and um, by Tuesday morning, I was walking across the border um, in Medica, Poland, into uh, Shihaini, um, uh, Ukraine. Had someone pick me up and uh, went to Lviv, and then from there went a little bit further into uh, Rivna, where I was the guest of the regional governor, had dinner with him, and then the next day toured a veterans hospital, um, toured a regional hospital, maybe similar to St. Francis, and then got to tour a fire station and, and really see what they were doing with the aid that we were bringing them and, and kind of how they were dealing with all of the displaced persons that were coming their way from the east and the wounded as well. It feels like it would be, at least from the cheap seats that we're watching on television, that it would be overwhelming to do that. What was the emotion? It was. I mean, and it was a little bit daunting. I'd never been to Europe. So, you know, I think on Tuesday morning, um, I was in Jeshov, Poland. I got into a cab. I'm an American, got into a cab driven by someone that was Czech in Poland, going to the Ukrainian border, and no common languages were spoken. Um, thank goodness for Google Maps and uh, some rudimentary uh, sign language as far as kind of pointing to where I wanted to go. Um, but once I was once I was in Ukraine and I was with the Ukrainians, you know, they'd show me they'd show me things, um, you know, a police station that during the Soviet times, the KGB would take people and people would just disappear and never leave. I brought a flak jacket and a, and a Kevlar helmet in, um, not knowing if I'd need it or not or what, you know, if, sure. depending on what would go on. And at one point um, before I left, I, I, I left that with I was my intention was to leave that with uh, somebody there in Ukraine. And I got connected with a university president who came to my uh, hotel um, in Rivna, Ukraine, and said, hey, I'm here for the vest and the helmet. And I said, is this for you? Is like a 60-some-year-old man. I'm like, is this for you? And he's like, no, it's my son. He's on the front line. So once I leave here, 
I'll take this up to the front line. He doesn't have a helmet. He doesn't have a vest. Oh, my goodness. So I mean, it, it was those kinds of moments um, kind of over and over again that you would run into. When you got back and you went in your office here across the street for the first time, what changed? You know, I'll, I'll tell you. I mean, when I got back, um, honestly, it was, okay, I need to get more ambulances to these. I got, yeah. I got to get more stuff yeah. over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, part of the reason I wanted to go was so that I'd have some credibility when I when I was in the United States asking for materials like you know hey yeah, I've so seen for what what's the need on. is I know what's going on so I you know once I got back that's what I kind of clicked there's got to be a way we the Peoria community that's listening to this conversation can help you got to Ukraine last uh, recently at Easter time you saw yourself uh, uh, what is happening there and we wanted to you know keep think you. about the timing of that though what's that. Going there on Easter. Easter weekend. Did you yeah. think about that at the time? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I, again, it was, I mean, I, I realized I was going to a um, very uh, Catholic country in Poland and then a very religious country in Ukraine. Um, but, but as far as, like, tying significance to it, I mean, I, I saw it more when I was there. I mean, yeah. you could see, you know, every village has got either an Orthodox or an Orthodox and a Catholic church. If you're in Ukraine or in Poland, it's all Catholic churches. So, I mean, it, it, for you know, being a Catholic was a nice. That was a kind of a maybe a nice, cool thing. positive. And, and, and it's all about the spirit is is giving and yeah. helping and and just just to have it on Easter is just kind of a little blessing. You know? Well, I'll tell you, I was Saturday night. I'm in the airport wondering, is this really the right thing to do? I'm going to miss Easter with my kid um, and my family. And um, while I was there, I met this uh, a young lady, a teenager, 18 years old. This was her second trip back to Ukraine. And and talking to her, um, and so you're right, and that's the kind of it kind of blows you away. So you're thinking, oh, geez, I'm going to miss Easter, and then you hear a story like that, and you're like, okay, you know, one little trip that I'm doing and missing one little holiday sure. is not a big deal. Well, and and then the enormity, or or maybe that's the wrong word, the 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 reality that this fight is happening, uh, like piecemeal. Like oh, a young woman is yeah. bringing vests. Yes, uh, uh, you are bringing. Uh, you you gave your Kevlar vest and a helmet to a guy who's going to yeah. give it to his son, and not to mention, of course, the ambulances. Uh, uh, before uh, we leave or you leave, I want to know what we can do. Is there a way that people are listening today, businesses or organizations, can help you continue to send supplies? Well, I'll tell you, there's um, the, I, I've mentioned them, the Ukrainian Medical Association of North America. They've got a website. It's, they're out of Chicago. Um, the Ukrainian medical professionals um, in, in Illinois, um, that's who I've, uh, ma- I've connected with from the beginning in March on this journey. And I can tell you firsthand, I've seen their supplies in Ukraine. So I feel comfortable saying if you go to their website, if you donate to them, um, that's if, if there's money that you want to donate, that is definitely a, a way that you can help. Okay. Um, if you've got an ambulance that's you know less than about ten years old or less, and it's in good shape, and you want to get it into the fight, then you know get a hold of me, and I'll get it on an aircraft, and we'll get it into the fight. And what's the best way for? Because you know what? what, what's great about this area? People listening, they'll go, "Hey, I know somebody, or yeah. I know this person," mm-hmm. and 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 connect that way because. Christopher.m.manson, M-A-N-S-O-N, at OSFHealthcare.org is your website. We'll put that on our places, too. Yeah, that, yeah, that would be a good email. What's the name of that group again that does It's the- Umana. It's U-M-A-N-A, or Ukrainian Medical Association of North America. You look them up, and like I said, I, the good news is, I've, I, like I said, I, when I started this, 
people have offered to give me money and I didn't want to get into money. I didn't want to deal with that. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to get the physical, like, you know, if you got, for example, the first ambulance we sent our employees at OSF, our mission partners, we asked them to donate quick clot, that clotting agent yeah. that you can buy at a yeah. store. And so we filled that ambulance full of that stuff. Um, but again, if you want to give money, you can give to this, uh, give to Umana. And if you got an ambulance, give it to me. And um, I said, we'll get it over there. Well, sir, uh, I can't tell you. We've, it's been a minute since Dan and I have uh, had something happen in our studio that we were not. I knew the story, but I am, I am so moved by everything that's going on and you and all the players involved, including, uh, if you think about it, uh, what maybe maybe it's not happening if you and young seven-year-old Lily, your daughter, are not sitting there watching, and she doesn't ask you a question. Hey, can we help these people? Absolutely. Maybe it doesn't happen. I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, the best of luck to you, and keep us posted. If we can help you, let us know. Oh, no, yeah. thank you. Thank you for this, and yeah, everyone's just been amazing. I mean, it's been such a pleasure to, to just be able to work with everyone to try and do this. It's an annual walk to remember. It's an annual walk to celebrate. It's returned this weekend after a long pandemic break, the Susan G. Komen Memorial More Than Pink Breast Cancer Walk in Peoria. WMBD's Julia Bradley spent time chatting with several key participants this past week. Now, you will be one of the, um, one of the survivors that is walking in the More Than Pink Walk on Saturday. Um, but this won't be your first walk. Tell us about a little bit your background with, with the Komen events. Okay. Uh, this will be my 30th year that I'm walking. Um, our family moved to Peoria in uh, 1990, and um, 1991 was our first walk. We um, learned of the Susan Coleman to not only celebrate our family and friends who had survived breast cancer, but also in the memory of the uh, women who had passed away. From breast cancer. So, so you said breast cancer is prevalent in your in your family background. Right. And during those 30 years, 20 more of our friends and family, women in our, our immediate social circle, had been diagnosed and survived breast cancer. So we celebrate all of those women. And this year it's particularly um, significant because and now it's my turn to make this journey. So... Um, it's, it's uh, like I said, it's a tradition through the years. My granddaughters, my daughters-in-law have joined us at various times, but they've all moved out of state now. So um, this will be a, a, a significant year, and we are moving out of state also later in the year. So this will probably be my last walk, but um, a special one. Sure, at least your last walk here in Peoria. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, can you talk a little bit about when you found out with your diagnosis? What what, what was that like for you? We we talk a lot to to survivors. Um, you know their their feelings um, when you find out. I was um, surprised because I I um, you know I've had yearly mammograms since oh my gosh probably the last thirty five years. Um, I'm older. I'm seventy five years old. So I. You know, I hadn't heard of too many women who get diagnosed with cancer for the first time at my age, but um, I've been healthy all my life, so it was very um, surprising to me. Um, I had my mammogram in uh, November, and um, I was diagnosed a week later with triple negative invasive ductal carcinoma, which is kind of an aggressive form. So um, I 
they wanted to start with now the way they treat triple negative is you have the chemotherapy before your surgery. So I've gone through 12 uh, weeks of chemotherapy, and uh, I'm looking at having surgery in a month. Now you you also have a background in in healthcare. You've been a nurse in your in your profession, right? I, I just felt like, well, now it's my turn. Um, I am I was a psychiatric nurse. Actually, I worked at St. Francis for ten years, and then I went over to Methodist and worked in child and adolescent uh, people, and and shared their cancer journey with them. And it was it was it made a great impact on my life. And now I'm on the other side of that. What would you say to uh, to women who who sh- haven't had their their mammograms done regularly? What would uh, now that you're you know you you've been diagnosed? What would you say to those women? I would say please do not neglect it. If there's a problem, you know you can call the cancer center. There's so many resources in the community that can help you. You know get get those mammograms. It's so important. Even if you're older, you know like I said. Uh, you know, usually they don't think it's important, but it is—it's very important because you just never know. And the um, and the common memorial affiliate is is uh, very integrated into getting those people help when they go through this process as well. Absolutely, and you know, I, I don't know if people realize that all of the money raised, like through the a lot of, a lot of that money stays within our community and helps so many women who. Um, you know, need but emotional support and child care and things like that as they're going through treatment. So that, that money stays right here. It doesn't go off. All of it some goes towards research, but a lot of it stays right here in this year. Julia also spoke with Wanda Shuck of East Peoria. She was diagnosed with breast cancer late last year. I was diagnosed in October of 20, 2021. Sorry. <laughs> Now, you said that you have walked in the Komen events before, but being newly diagnosed, what, what is that going to mean for you to walk in this year's event? Well, it has more significance because now that I have breast cancer and saw what Susan G. Komen um, does for us, you know, it plays a significant, more, significant role in um, the fight for me. Can you talk a little bit about um, when you got your diagnosis, what that was like for you? I want a little background, push a little background. I was also diagnosed with thyroid cancer in um, September, and when I did this radioactive iodine procedure, that's when they found a lump on my left breast. In January, my mammogram was normal, and so I had a biopsy done, in October, and that's when they found uh, my breast cancer uh, and diagnosed it in October. That totally threw me for a loop when I found that out because I thought it was uh, back 11 years ago I had some uh, fibrocystic uh, little spots on my left breast, but and I thought that's what this was, uh, and I was joking with uh, the nuclear medicine radio, radiation oncologist and but when um, they said it was breast cancer, that just totally threw me for a loop. So you'd already had cancer in your thyroid when that yeah. happened. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what has been your, the course of action for you um, since your diagnosis uh, then? So my 
uh, diagnosis was called adenoid cystic carcinoma, which is a very rare breast cancer. It only happens in 1%. And when I went for a second opinion up at Northwestern, they only had seen 26 cases. And basically, um, I had a lumpectomy and then uh, 20 rounds of radiation. And what's that like, I mean, for someone who's never gone through radiation? It, it's usually, for me, it was painless. Um, I, you know, went in uh, once a day for 20 days and uh, easy, uh, very, the people there were very friendly. I, you know, looked, you know, it was just looking forward to it and I was glad, you know, of the support I got from the doctors and the radiologists. Can you talk a little bit about the support from uh, Susan G. Komen here in Peoria? I uh, had a friend that, uh, Katie, and she, she gave, you know, gave me a lot of support. Uh, I don't know. It just, it just felt like if I needed some more help and support, it was there available. But I, my faith in God helped me, to me, helped me through a lot of it, too. Sure, and, and then they do have those resources available if you need them. Oh, yeah. When I first went in, diagnosed, they uh, had a multidiscipline clinic, and I met, you know, with my breast surgeon, the medical oncologist, the radiation oncologist, and also I met with a, um, I think her name was Jessie, and as a support group. So I knew every, you know, about that support group. Absolutely. Uh, we just have a few moments left. Um, what would you say to women who are either behind on their mammograms or who've never had a mammogram yet and are at the age that they should have those done? I say go get one because I always had a yearly one and oh, my cancer wasn't diagnosed through the mammogram, but so go get it. And I, uh, uh, I do shoot for the cure and it's an uh, offshoot of the pink walk for Susan. We raised uh, money for Susan G. Komen there, and I started getting on that, and this year made, uh, like you said, it, it was a special event for me this year, too. Absolutely. Wanda, Shuck, thank you so much. To learn more about the Susan G. Komen Memorial Affiliate in Peoria or about how you can give, go to Komen.org. It's time for business owners in Peoria to rise. The Peoria Area Chamber of Commerce, along with city leadership and other dignitaries marking this project launch this week, Peoria Assistant City Manager Kimberly Richardson helped announce the news. Today was going to be a, a special day with the announcement of our, our new exciting program to the city of Peoria uh, called RISE. And today I want to share with the community, uh, especially our business community, who are continuing to recover as we are still experiencing uh, the impacts of COVID uh, and the pandemic in, for which uh, their businesses have been greatly impacted over the last 24 plus months. Uh, the city of Peoria has committed over the last two years over $2 million in some form or fashion uh, to support independent small businesses uh, through several different types of programming uh, as it relates to grants as well as loans. And today I want to introduce our new program called RISE. The RISE program, the Recovery Income Startup and Expansion Program is a grant program and is intended to assist businesses, again, mostly impacted due to COVID-19 pandemic. The program consists of four categories 
and businesses can receive funding up to $50,000 within each of those categories. We have them broken down by recovery, income support, startup, and expansion. And for businesses who are, are interested in learning more about this program, they are able to go to Peoria, growpeoria.com for more information. They, again, they're able to go online and apply at growpeoria.com and learn more about the program and its offerings. Our applications are now open. They start today and will continue through June 10th. Applications are being accepted and if, they, if additional assistance is needed, individuals may contact the Economic Development Department within the City of Peoria. And now I would like to introduce Michelle Sanders, the Board President of the Minority Business um, Development Center, uh, to uh, provide additional comments. I am the Board Chair for the Minority Business Development Center, Denise Moore is our CEO and currently is out of town, so she asked for me to step in, so I may not be as lively as her, but I'll try to do my best. Um, we at the Minority Business Development Center are excited to be part of the rollout of these funds that will benefit small business owners. This type of opportunity does not, does not come along often. Now that those who have been in the startup phase of their growing businesses have been slowed down by the new COVID reality. Although the city has been, has made applying for this grant simple by having interested parties go to the Grow Peoria website and apply for your own, grow uh, for your own. On Monday, May 9th, I'm excited to say at 6 p.m. the Minority Business Development Center will host a city representative a city representative to go over the details of that grant. That night, those in attendance will also learn about the documents that will be required and actually how to complete the grant. We will also will follow up with a meeting on Wednesday, May 11th, that will offer technical assistance for those who are needing assistance with that particular grant. So you have to come on May 9th in order to be part of, of the workshop on May 11th. If anyone is needing additional assistance that night, we recommend that you call our office that is located at the Minority Business Development Center at 2139 Southwest Adams Street. And you can register to attend both if you need um, assistance with the application and for technical assistance. Um, the office number is 309-966-3989. So reserve your seat soon and check our website too for additional information. I'm Jim Montalongo, I'm the chairman to the uh, Greater Peoria Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Um, great morning out here and great news from the city of Peoria. Uh, at, just to tell you a couple things about the Peoria Hispanic Chamber. Um, our mission here is to support growth and development of the Latinx businesses. There are approximately 75 Latinx businesses here in Peoria and we circ uh, and we seek to work with each and every one of them. Some of the activities that we do and have done, uh, we host a monthly meeting uh, where we use it for the purpose of networking, uh, getting important business information out to the business owners, and as well promoting the state and city programs through this uh, meeting. Uh, some of the things that we um, have done is we've assisted businesses applying for the state of Illinois business interruption grants. We've engaged 
and assisted over 10 businesses in applying and receiving over $100,000 in the city's business recovery grants uh, back in the end of 2021. Um, we are looking forward to promoting the, the RISE program through our website, which is www.peoriahispanicchamber.com um, and through our social media, uh, as well as we have an electronic newsletter that goes out. Um, and we also have a community navigator that works with, um, that also works with our businesses who need some assistance in the translation. Uh, Mar Martha Zwicky is our, our person, and you can contact her through the PeoriaHispanicChamber.com. So once again, it's a pleasure to be here with everybody, and it's certainly great news for our, our community. Thank you. Next, I'm going to introduce uh, Chris Setti from the, uh, who is our Chief Executive Officer for the Greater Peoria Economic Development Council. Chris. I, I promise I'm your last speaker. Uh, and uh, so I'm, I'm excited uh, about this program. You know, uh, almost uh, a little after two years after kind of the pandemic really settled in in March of 2020, we still have businesses that are struggling. Our economy has rebounded to some degree, but we know that now we're uh, facing labor shortages and price increases. So our smallest businesses are still the ones that are, are, are the most vulnerable um, in, these next, in this next year. And I, I really appreciate that the city of Peoria, utilizing some of its own uh, American Rescue Plan dollars, um, is deciding to invest in these uh, in these businesses. It's small businesses uh, that make our community special and different, and, and those businesses really are the ones that need the support. I really appreciate two things about this particular program. Um, one that was uh, mentioned by Ms. Sanders earlier is how simple the program is to apply for. Uh, GrowPeoria.com, a, a very uh, easy to use uh, online portal uh, capturing some relatively basic information. Uh, you know, I, we've, we've gone through a lot of grants over the last few years, some of them very complicated. This one is very straightforward uh, and easy to use. The second is I really appreciate the flexibility of this program and the way the city staff and the city council have designed it uh, so that it's, uh, it, uh, it's broadly applic applicable. Whether you're uh, a business that has survived uh, these last few years of COVID or one that's just starting, uh, there's uh, there's an opportunity for you. So I, I you know I really value the um, uh, the thought that went into into that uh, because I think that's what will make this a, a particularly impactful program. Uh, so thank you all for coming. I'm going to turn it back over to Ms. Richardson here uh, for any questions you might have about the program itself. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, before we go into the Q and A, I just want to acknowledge our Councilmember Sear who's present today, as well as I want to acknowledge that the reason why. We wanted to be out in public and having a press conference is because it's so important to, to Julia's statement, you know, we don't think about how our businesses sometimes have to make these tough decisions uh, when it comes to operations and how we as a city can support them. I think at times we all see it as, well, we give the money and they'll figure it out, but the technical support as well as just being present and just wanting to make sure that the home, the business owners feel that they have someone in the, in the city that they can go to to not only just ask for resources, but to ask for additional technical assistance. And we are here to do that for our community members, as well as for those who are interested in starting a new business. 
this is a great opportunity, a great time for those who are interested in starting their own business that they may have been in the back of their mind, but they're trying to figure out how do I pull the resources together. This grant, it will be that assistance that you will definitely need in order to get across that finish line to starting your first business. And so we want to also acknowledge that this is just not for those who are currently in uh, or are currently in operation, but also those who are in the next three months or even in the current planning stages right now are just looking for that seed money to get started. We want you to know this is for you as well. Uh, and lastly, I want to just acknowledge and I want to just thank Junction City for hosting us at this location today and um, to Julia for being a gracious host. There will be uh, refreshments at the end of the press conference for those who are able to stay. Oh, this is a celebration. This is a day for us to really acknowledge and just be very grateful for the opportunity that the city has right now. And we will continue to roll out additional programs over the next uh, six to 12 months as the city council continues uh, to support us uh, do our economic development uh, plan. And so I want to acknowledge that this is one of many grants to come and we look forward for as many people as possible to apply so we can go back to the city council and say, the program is successful, we need to continue to um, fund it. A congratulations to the Peoria Rivermen who are now SPHL champions thanks to a victory in the President's Cup Series over the Roanoke Rail Yard Dogs this past week. Celebrating Peoria Hockey Champions on WNBD's The Craig Collins Show. The Director of Communications and Broadcasting for the Peoria Rivermen is on the line, and this is definitely one of the bigger uh, conversations happening in the area today. Uh, champions uh, won the President's Cup last night. Uh, welcome to the show, Jason. Craig, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to finally be on, and yeah, to say that this is one of the big stories uh, surrounding the Peoria, Peoria area, I think it's an understatement considering that this is not only the franchise's first championship ever in the Southern Professional Hockey League, yes. this is also their first President's Cup, their first playoff championship since 2000. Yeah. I was five years old last time that happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair enough. Uh, you just made me feel very old, by the way, so thank you for that. Uh, so let's... <laughs> Let's let's talk about this uh, in in totality, if you don't mind, for a second. So the the entire season, the Rivermen have played quite well. Uh, Alec Bear, who was on the show uh, briefly a little bit earlier on today, uh, won the MVP of the entire league. Uh, what has it been about this team that's been so special this year? You know, talking with Rivermen head coach Johnson Judell, I actually asked him that exact question about what what makes this team so special. How would you rank this team compared to some of the other teams that he's had? Because Coach Dell has taken teams to the President's Cup Finals before, 16, 17, and 18, in fact, wasn't able to win it. And Coach Dell told me flat out, this might not be the most skilled team in terms of raw talent that he's ever had, but wow. it's the most together team. It's the team that has the most heart. And really, you just have to spend any amount of time around these boys, around this team, and you just realize that there's no egos on this team. Everyone's pulling for the greater cause. Everyone's head is in the right place. They're all pulling to leave their legacy here in Peoria, and they have now finally left a legacy that will echo through the ages here in the annals of Peoria hockey. Yeah, you know, and I, I love the fact that you point out that it's been uh, over 20 years since they've won any kind of championship, certainly the first time that they've won in this uh, Southern Professional Hockey League, which they've only been in for about five years. And as you, ref as you mentioned, they've been to the playoffs uh, several times in that period. Uh, is Peoria a, a hockey um, you know, powerhouse uh, then? Is this something that you expect to continue into next year? I know the team changes probably quite a bit year in and year out, and people like Alec 
um, might not be Peoria Rivermen next year. But do you think that the success of this year will translate to more success? Absolutely. Uh, look, Peoria, in this league that we are in right now, the Southern Professional Hockey League, Peoria is a powerhouse. We are the Northern Power. It's good. i got to give props to Quad City, their, our rivals to the West. They took a major step up this year, and they're going to be a very uh, solid competitor in the region. But Peoria is the Northern Hockey Power, the Northern Branch of the Southern Professional Hockey League. I mean, there's a reason why that Peoria is constantly fields good teams, and a large part of that is because of Riverman head coach John C. Trudell. He constantly is able to find guys that fit his system, get guys in who buy in and really want to give it their all into this organization, this program, and this community. And he also has a very strong leadership core uh, headlined, of course, by the Peoria native Alec Agamemnon. Sure. So let me ask you this about fan turnout, because I even saw Alec um, made mention of the, I think, game two here, uh, the big fan turnout and just how, how excited it seemed that people were. Uh, do you expect that a lot more fans, maybe people who have been fans of the Rivermen for years but haven't been going to games regularly, might uh, be reengaged? Uh, we're going to have a parade on Friday. Uh, and after you win a championship, uh, I was in Chicago for several years when the Blackhawks were the team. Uh, in that city, which felt mm-hmm. insane because, of course, uh, you didn't think of the Blackhawks right away, maybe before they started their own Stanley Cup run. Uh, is this something that you expect to be a bigger and bigger deal to the entirety of our community moving forward? Absolutely. I mean, you look at Game 2, which was here at Carver Arena last Friday. It was also the last day I was in my apartment because I've been traveling with the team the whole nice. time. But that was just a fantastic fan turnout, over 3,000. I think the number that we ended up with was 3,200 people showing up to Carver Arena to watch a playoff game. It was loud. It was engaged. It was everything you expect of a big-time finals atmosphere and the Ribbon delivered. That's the other thing. Peoria put the prime, a primary focus on playing well at home. They had one of, if not the best home record out of any team in the entire Southern Professional Hockey League over the course of the regular season. I can literally count on one hand the amount of times they lost here at Carver Arena in the regular season this year. Yeah, and, and that's in part because they have a lot of pride in playing for this community. And at the same time, this community really shows up and supports them. So obviously you better believe that I think a championship will help them get more fans engaged. Remember, because the Rivermen were, were idle due to COVID. And that has, I think, a, a much greater impact below the surface than I think a lot of people recognize yeah. in terms of fan engagement and whatnot. But I think now that not only are the Riverman back, this was their 40th year of hockey in Peoria, they were able to cap that off with a championship, a championship that has so long eluded them. I think that fan attendance, uh, interaction, the whole nine yards, it's it's going to go nowhere but up. Uh, So I just have one more question about the actual uh, game for the decisive win, and then I'm going to ask you about something that I've gotten Alec to agree to and whether you think it's a good idea. That'll be all that we do uh, uh, to end the show. But thank you so much for or end the conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, About the win itself, uh, a 3-2 win in overtime. Uh, technically go down one nothing in the first period, but wind up uh, tying the game uh, late in the third period and then actually winning it in overtime. Uh, how does everything there, in your opinion, play into this uh, value that is uh, what people could go see next year if they get out and, and see some uh, Rivermen hockey? It just sounds like a tremendously exciting season and a tremendously exciting final game. Three words for you. Resiliency in Yes. Peoria was actually down 2 nothing at one point in that game. They were able to get a deflection goal in, courtesy of um, 
Mike Gertler, another Peoria native who came out of retirement just for this year and is now announced his retirement for the second time. But Peoria squandered. They were unable to score on an extended five-on-three advantage. And you go into that second intermission, you're wondering, oh, my goodness, are they going to get another chance? Are they going to be able to tie it up? Yeah. And then Dale Dion has his Jason Hayward moment, for those of you who remember that <laughs> in the Cubs World Series run. Sure. During the rain delay, Jason Hayward has this speech, tells the guys to get going. Dale Dion, one of the defensemen for the Rivermen, comes up and says, time for talking is over. we got to go to work. And they come out. They own the third period. They get the tying goal. And they only needed 66 seconds in overtime. Shot from Jordan Earth to the left half board, deflected in by Jan Piotrowski's front. And the Rivermen are President's Cup champions. I did. So I think this team has a lot of heart, and that's what fans are going to see next year moving forward. I did love the fact that I saw that JM said that he didn't know the goal went in, like off of his skate, as you said, to the deflection <laughs> in. He was like, we didn't know. We won it first. Uh, it took a minute. Um, but yeah. it sounds like you had a great time uh, covering the team, and it sounds like you look forward to doing it again. So last question for you, since you've gotten to, to broadcast and get to know these guys I made Alec agree with uh, agree to me uh, uh, agree that if I do go out um, to like find them tonight, that I get to party with the Rivermen. Is that going to be a fun time if they actually do let me go out tonight, find where they if are? They, if they, <laughs> go ahead. Let's just put it this way: if they if they let you, if if you find them and if they let you party with them, uh-huh. uh, you're going to have a good time. <laughs> uh, that's all I'm going to say. Good. On that. Good, Jason. I figured as much they're hockey players. I figured it's going to be a great time. Uh, well, thank, of course. Thank, of you. Course. thank you for making some time with us. Good luck to the team next year, bud. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. That does it for this edition of Week in Review. Join us at this time next week on this Midwest 360 station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in central Illinois. You don't have to wait for Week in Review to get the lowdown on what's happening in the region. For instant news 24-7, Follow us at 1470 100.3 WMBD on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and at 1470WMBD.com. I'm Cooper Banks, WMBD News.